<laughs> so again, it's good to have everybody here, uh, you know, to, just to be formal about it, but there's just something that's so much greater than that. And as we roll up on part six of this series, we're going to talk about a part of building that we are all familiar with here you know as we've talked about living a life of holiness as we've talked about considering the cost of what it's going to cost to build a temple what it's going to cost us uh, and, and uh, we we went through so many avenues we went through so much scripture to bring us to to the pinnacle of where we're going and today I don't want it to be any different because here it becomes uh, I'm going to say my favorite part here. Here's becomes the reality of what so many people see. You know, we've all been through road construction before, right? We've all been through, maybe we've helped build houses. Maybe there, there's things that just become chaotic. You see the plan. You know what the plan is supposed to be. And then you know what the end product is supposed to be. But it's all of that in between sometimes that it's like, man, this is an absolute mess. And, and, and I can't get over here because I'm tripping over this and I'm tripping over that. So, so we begin to learn the importance of housekeeping, right? You know, keeping our clothes picked up. I'm guilty of that as charged. I'll, I'll throw it and I miss the basket by this much. And then I, I might not pick up the rest of it. And then my wife will say, what are you doing? I'm being a man. <laughs> Amen. I'm, I'm just preaching to you this morning. But. But I want to go through Scripture, and I want to read in Scripture this morning uh, the importance of, of how this becomes practical in our lives. And, and that's the whole point, is how can we, every time we, not just every time we go to church, but every time we sit down and read God's Word, is how does this become practical in my life? And, and, and that's, that's the just of where we need to be, is each time we read God's Word, every time we hear God's Word, is it should be putting us in a place to do what? To reflect who He is. Because we were created in what? In His likeness and in His image. So that's the tall tale, is that what we've been called to do is to be like Him. It didn't say, you are me, but He's called us to be like Him, and as you go through some of the series throughout the year, uh, if, you, if you just get that tickle and you want to, we're on YouTube, I've got a podcast, uh, if you're friends with me on Facebook, I always post every Sunday sermon, uh, usually it's up by, by uh, dinner time on Sundays anyways. But I want to get into this, 2 Chronicles, 2 Chronicles chapter 2 verse 2. And it said, Solomon assigned 70,000 men to bear burdens and 80,000 to quarry in the hill country and 3,600 to observe them. Now we're going, now we're going to go to 2 Chronicles chapter 3, verses 1 through 2. Then Solomon began. Then Solomon began to build the house of the Lord in Jerusalem on Mount Moriah, where the Lord had appeared to David his father at the place that David had appointed on the threshing floor of Ornon, uh, the Jebusite. He began to build in the second month of the fourth year of his reign. 1 Kings chapter 6, again, 1 Kings Book of Chronicles and Kings are the same thing. They just have a little bit more information here and there. So I want to read you 1 Kings chapter 6, verse 37 through 38. In the fourth year, the foundation of the house of the Lord was laid in the month of Zen. 
And in the eleventh year, in the month of Bual, please don't hold me to that one, which is the eighth month, the house was finished in all its parts and according to all, you see that, all of its specifications. And it was seven years in building it. Let us pray. Dear Heavenly Father, Lord, we thank you today, Lord, for your love. Lord, a love in which that we can never do anything to deserve. But Lord, you've looked upon us. And Lord, and what you see is what you've called us to be. Lord, and, and all of us have not arrived, just as Paul said. You know, it's not that I have arrived, but I press towards that mark. Lord, we, we make a progress. We, we make it our point, Lord, to move in that direction in which that you've called us to. Lord, today, Lord, your word will be swift to remind us today of who we are and, and who we are supposed to be in you. Lord, open our ears to hear what the Spirit has to say to the church. Open our eyes, Lord, to see your word, to see your revelation. Lord, Holy Spirit, we ask that that's exactly what you said that you would do in the book of John, that you would reveal all truth. Holy Spirit, we ask you today, reveal to us Jesus. Reveal to us the word. Lord, the word that is able and capable of changing our life, Lord, if we submit to. We thank you, we bless you, we glorify you, and we honor you. In the name of Jesus Christ. So I just want to touch on my notes for just a few moments. Construction had begun. And if we could use our imaginations for a few moments this morning, we all have an imagination, right? I mean, come on, we used to have an imagination, friend. <laughs> I did too. I don't remember what his name was, but he didn't last long because he... George, he didn't play with me very much, so I had to have an imagination friend because I grew up in a house full of girls. And my dad was always work trying to support all of us kids. And so mama was pulling her hair out all the time. But anyway, so construction had begun. And if we could use our imagination for a few moments this morning, we can make a very swift observation that construction can and will be messy. We've seen it. You know, I, I go to cook sometimes because uh, I enjoy cooking. But my wife tells me, you're so messy because I don't clean up while I'm cooking. And, and, and so what happens is you begin to trip over things and things begin to get in your way. So, so, so what, I'm, what I'm here to tell you this morning is that, is that all of us, if not most of us, have made a decision, Lord, that, that I, I want you in my life. You see, but what's happened over the time as we has become distracted because of construction in our life. And construction is meant for the better. It's meant for the better because if we begin to look at like right now, you go down Market Street and it's a mess. It's been a mess for the past couple of years. But what happens at the end is when all of this construction is done is what does it do? It makes our travel time better. It gets us to our destination. It helps us to avoid certain things. And so what we don't understand is sometimes when there's construction or while things are being constructed in our life, we don't understand why this is happening. We don't understand why this is happening. But, but, the, but the end result is to push us into the place where God has called us to be. And, and what Solomon has done here, now scripturally it doesn't say that it was chaotic, but you could use in your imagination here that if it took seven years to build this temple, I mean, it, it, there had to be 
chaos there. And you're talking about uh, there was, let's see, there was 70,000, 80,000, what's that, 150, 158,600 people was working on this temple. Don't you think that somebody got in the way of one another? So there's things in our life that gets in our way that may hinder us but we may see it as a hindrance but the reality is is where God is pushing us and where God is leading us to as much as I wanted to to touch on this morning about being refined and and these things that were being removed out of our life you have to come back at another time to hear that part of the message because the Holy Spirit did not lead me that way this morning so so uh, so so many things to do that uh, they must be completed to move to the next step. You remember, we got to finish one thing before we can get into the next thing. But within our imagination, we know that starting isn't the hard part. It's following through to the end. How many of us are procrastinators? <laughs> we start something, but sometimes we don't complete it. And if we're just real honest with ourselves, if we would be transparent, both of our hands will go up because there's areas in our life that, that we've started in that we have not yet complete. But we know that we're in the making. We know that we're on the way, but there's been construction chaos. There's things that's taken place that's caused us to become distracted. So if we're real with that, how much construction chaos has there been in our relationship with Jesus Christ? How many things has really gotten in the way? We've become distracted because it just didn't seem to be everything that we wanted it to be. Lord, I know the plans that Jeremiah 29 11 we're familiar with, right? For I know the plans that I have for you, says the Lord. They are good. They are for your good. They are to prosper you. But Lord, I don't see where prosperity is happening with what's going on in my life right now. But we got to trust and believe that God's word is absolute and God's word is truth. You know, so when we tell our kids, mine are older now, but if we go back or if we've had nephews, when you tell them things, I use this example a lot, don't go play in the road. Well, why not? It's fun. We've all played in the road. But don't go play in the road. Why? Because we see the danger and they do not. So, so when God's word gives us instruction, when God's word brings us correction, we got to understand that it's for our own good. It's not, it is not to harm us by no means, because if it was, then Jeremiah 29 and 11 would be a lie. But God said, Lord, let my word be truth and let every man be a lie. So it's following through to the end is what's hard. So this can be the most challenging part of construction. The construction, the, the constructing part is the test. Listen to me now. The constructing part is the test of endurance, and our endurance is the testing of perseverance. Endurance is having the, oh, yes, yeah, she, she is on point. Everybody give my wife a clan hat. Boy, she's just, she knows where I'm at all the time. Endurance is having, listen now, if you got your phone, you might want to take a picture of this because you, we all need to be reminded of this. Endurance is having the ability and stamina to handle, handle difficult things. In essence, short-term pain for a long-time gain. Perseverance, on the other hand, is continuing on the journey despite the obstacle to reach the destination or the goal. 
See, because sometimes it's, it's, man, I just, I've got to endure this for a little while. But you know what? Sometimes it seems like, you know, I, man, I've ran out of stamina. You know, I, I'm a little bit older now. When me and my son-in-law was wrestling, I ran out of stamina real fast. And there, hence, there came the arm bar. You know, so, so my endurance was only for a little while. But what he did was he persevered. He persevered because what was he doing? He was waiting for me to make a mistake. So he persevered. I, I'm glad that I could use that in a sermon sometime. <laughs> so as we can plainly see within Scripture that these attributes are fruits of the Spirit. That's exactly what they are. Galatians chapter 5, verses 22. Yes, amen. But the Holy Spirit produces... Did, 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 did we recognize that last week? Did we not talk about grace, the grace of God, and the grace of God being God's empowerment, being His power, being His empowerment, being His ability that works through us? Because Solomon had the dream, uh, for, and he asked for wisdom. He asked for something that he didn't have. He asked for something that was beyond him. So, so here again, Paul's speaking to us, and he said, but the Holy Spirit produces. He didn't say Pastor James produces. He didn't say Pastor, uh, Pastor Rex or Brother Rex produces. It says the Holy Spirit produces this kind of fruit in our lives. Love, joy, peace, patience, kindness, goodness, faithfulness, gentleness, and self-control. There is no law against these things. So if we begin to think about it, so, so if we think about this, you know, we've heard the gifts of the Spirit. And we've heard about the fruits of the Spirit. So the gifts is a gift. I give it to you. The Greek word for gift is charis. It is a gifting. But see, what happens here is he said this is a fruit. Don't we know fruit is cultivated? It happens over time. So this is a part of this construction chaos that we deal with so oftentimes. You know, so just as an athlete will continue to endure and to persevere to reach the goal... Of not being the average athlete, but beating records and being more than normal. Because when somebody's training to be an athlete, what do they do? I just want to be just like everyone else. You see, we got LeBron James. We had Kobe Bryant. We got Michael Phelps. These are just to name a few. But what did they do was they continued to practice. They continued to put in the work. They continued to do it. Every single night, me and the wife, we sit down at the dinner. We read our Bibles. Every opportunity that I get, I'm listening to preaching. I'm listening to God's word being taught. Every opportunity that I get, I'm on my knees. Not so much literally my knees, but in my heart, I'm constantly seeking God. I'm seeking God on, on, on who that he wants to be in these chairs. The Lord licensed me, and he told me, he said, you go and you anoint the chairs. He said, you call him by position, and I'll call him by name. So I come in here. I don't come in here every week, but I do on Sunday mornings. But I was on my way here this morning. And the Lord said, before you do anything, before you turn on any speakers, before you turn on any lights, he said, you go and you begin to pray. And you begin to invite me. And you begin to call out these people from the north, the south, the east, and the west. And we know here you can't go too far east unless they're going to start coming from overseas. And that's fine. We'll take those too. <laughs> but just as an athlete continues, 
you know, uh, it, it, what they're striving for is to beat records and they're not trying to be normal. So Paul, Paul made this, this relevant in this way also as well. 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verses 26 through 27. Watch this. Paul said this. So I run with a purpose in mind. You see, what did he, he have? He has a goal. You see, and my goal is this to be everything that God's called me to be. It's not my goal. It's not my ambition. It's his ambition. Because if I had my way, man, I'd be sitting at a house sleeping right now. All of us, I mean, to a point or another, we might not be here if, if we have a choice. But my choice in the matter is what God wants. You see, when Jesus was in the Garden of Gethsemane, what did he say? He said, Lord, he said, Lord not my will, but your will be done. So when it was a desire, Lord, that your will be done and not my own, then, then Jesus took himself out of the picture. You know, the Lord was beginning to show me some things that, that the human part of Jesus and how that human part of him wanted to show his face all the time. He, he, we even get to the cross. Did Jesus, did we not remember? He said, Lord, Lord, why have you forsaken me? Do we really think that our spirit would say that? Do we really think that our spirit will cry and say, Lord, why aren't you here with me? Why aren't you in this situation? See, but know what our spirit man will tell us? God's word says this. God's word says this. Whose report are we going to believe? Are we going to believe what the news people have to say on channel 6 or channel 40 or channel 12? Or it, it makes me no difference. Or are we going to believe what God's word says? And if we don't read God's word, we don't know what God's word says. I'm just preaching to us real good here this morning. He said, so I run with a purpose in every step. That means everything that I'm doing is purposeful. Everything that I'm doing is purposeful to build God's kingdom. Every, every action that I'm taking is purposeful in building God's kingdom. It's purposeful in constructing the temple, constructing the very place in which that what? He wants to reside. Because that was what they were doing, right? We remember in Exodus chapter 26, Moses built a tabernacle for the 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 um for the Ark of the Covenant to be there. And then God never asked for another house until David. And then he told David that you're not going to be the one to build a house because you have too much blood on your hands. He said, but your son Solomon will. So here we are. Hence, we're talking about Solomon and we're talking about building a temple. And we're talking about building a place where his spirit can dwell. And that's within each one of us. That's in our lives. Uh, even though I really would like to make this symbolic to SLM because this is where this whole series came from was was the Lord showing me how to turn this into a warehouse, into a place for his presence to dwell. So I run with purpose in every step. I am not just shadow boxing. I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that after preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified shadow boxing are we just throwing blows out there are we actually practicing on this bag this body bag are we are we actually making each hit count are we so as we recall during David's charge to Solomon that he had been tasked 
with what he had been tasked with was not for mere mortals, but for the living God. This is to remind us that we that uh, what we are establishing here within us and at SLM is extraordinary because extraordinary means what? Beyond normal. God does not call us to normal. He called us to extraordinary. He called us to more because the world standard is normal. But God's called us to more. And what God had called Solomon to build here was something that everybody just couldn't do. Everybody wasn't willing to do it. And it even became hard for Solomon. And Solomon just sought the Lord so much through this. So that means that we cannot build extraordinary with an ordinary mindset. Hear me again. We cannot build the extraordinary that God has called us to do with an ordinary mindset. I'm fine with let's go sing three songs. Let's, let's hear, uh, Pastor, you preaching too long. Uh, Y'all already know that I speak for an hour. I, I don't come with a 30-minute message. There's so, much, there's so much revelation that's being instilled in me throughout the week that it, don't, it takes me more than 30 minutes to be able to try to translate that or how would you say it? Uh, to give it to you as well. So I can't just have an ordinary mindset when I sit down during the week to study. I've got to have in mind what God has showed me. Because what did he do? He showed me the end from the beginning. He showed me what he wants us to look like. And, and through this process, it becomes chaotic. It becomes, Lord, do we have enough to pay our rent this month? Lord, do we run the air conditioner today because it's a light bill and it costs money? You see, but the reality is, is, is if, I, if I take that control out of my hands and put it in him, and when I put it in him, that means I'm going to walk in obedience to everything that he's called me to do, whether I like it or not, whether I see it as beneficial to me. Because you remember when, when Abraham took his son to go be sacrificed, that was obedience. That sacrifice would not benefit Abraham, but it would benefit God because it was God's word that was spoken. See, and when God speaks to us, we have the option of whether we will or whether we won't. The repercussion becomes us if we choose to or choose not to. Let me get back here. That one was a free one. So now, getting back to the gist of today's message, we continue to imagine that construction can be chaotic. We have all rode through construction sites that we've talked about from the beginning and see how quickly things under construction can cause delays and or setbacks. But we know that once construction is over is that it will be the beneficial in the long run. It really will. And oftentimes, sometimes we don't look back, man, all these times I, I, was, I had to leave the house 30 minutes earlier just to get to work on time. You see, and now I'm continuing at this job and now I get to work in five minutes instead of 45 minutes. See, and, and so we got to understand that some of these things, well, all these things that God is, is doing is to benefit us. If construction within us of building the temple of God is in the works, then we must choose that what is being deconstructed and reconstructed is for our benefit. We're not the architects here, right? We're just the laborers. He's the architect. We saw that when, when David said that, that God, God had, had given me 
the plans for this building. You see, and God has a plan for you. We read in Psalms 139, he said, Every day of my life was written before I had lived one day. How many of us would believe that? We might call that being predestined. But the reality is, is that God wrote a book about my life. And he said, one day, James is going to pastor a church. One day, James is going to do this. And one day, James is going to do that. I'm not talking about that he predestines the bad things, the bad choices that we make. But I'm talking about every step that we take to benefit his kingdom. And every step of obedience he calls us to is what he has written about. So when we stand before God, we remember at the end in the book of Revelations, it said, and I stood before the Lord and the books were open. That's with an S on the end. So we have the book of life of whether our name will be wrote there, but we'll also be judged and by how God has called us to operate, how God has called us to live, how God has called us into callings. And each one of us here has a calling on our life. Just, just being a pastor is not the only calling that there is. There's members, there's workers, there's laborers, there's volunteers. There's, but God has called all of us to be salt and light. Hence, not just salt and light ministry, but God has called each one of us to be salt and light. So this is sometimes the trying process, but it must take place to accomplish the extraordinary temple for God to dwell in. As, as construction has started and continues, the enemy is furious with the constructing of a temple. And he will bring calamity to disrupt what God has so strategically orchestrated within us. Man, that was almost a tongue tie there for me. I don't know about you. But, but we can see that the reconstructing of the wall in Nehemiah chapter 4. Turn with me there or take your hearts there. Or put your eyeballs up here on the board. Nehemiah chapter 7. And, and I want us to watch and to see how the enemy's always watching. How he's always trying to bring this calamity. And forgive me on some of these pronunciations. I'm a pastor. I'm not a, an English major. But when Sambalit... And Tobiah and the Arabs, Amorites, and the Ashadites heard that the work was going ahead and that the gaps of the wall of Jerusalem were being repaired. They were furious. They all made plans. You see the S on the end? You see, he just didn't stop with just a, oh, I tried to trip him one time and that didn't happen. We saw that when Jesus was in, when Jesus went in the wilderness for 40 years, we just read that in the book of Luke last week. It said that, that, that after Jesus had gave him the word the third time, it said that Satan went away for a short period. He, went, he didn't stop trying to come against Jesus. What makes us think that he's going to quit trying to come against us? But we know that we always present the word because that was the only thing that Jesus did was presented the word to Satan. And it puts Satan in his place. Let's continue here. Uh, they had all made plans and came and fought against Jerusalem to throw us into confusion. But we prayed. You see what's happening here? But we prayed to our God and, guard, and guarded the city day and night to protect ourselves. The devil is not happy nor is he content with what we are allowing God to do in us. To bring these plans and these plots against us. But the reality is, is that he is only plotting against God's plan. 
He is so witty, but yet he is the dumbest thing that God ever created. I mean, uh, he is smart because Scripture said that he was cunning. He was tricky. To be trickery means you've got, you've got to have some wits about you, but yet he's so dumb. But, but, but the reality is, 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 does it come down is that we are just as dumb as him if we continue to fall for the same things? I, there was a saying, <laughs> I, I'm going to tell on my age here, because cordless phones had just came out in the house when I was younger. So we had a little joke in, in high school or middle school, should I say, that you're so dumb you tripped over a cordless phone. I, I know I'm, I'm really working on that one. <laughs> but, but if we continue to fall for the same things, then what does that say about us? What does that say about us if we continue to fall for the same things? But that's what Satan is trying to do here is if he can, if he can entangle you again with this thing. So he already knows he is fighting a losing battle, but we, but we must realize that his task isn't to win. But to cause us to fall by the wayside. But we will see that if we continue that God will prevail. Amen. If we continue, if we will endure, if we will persevere, God's ultimate plan will come to fruition. But we have to continue. You see, it, it, the, the children of Israel were called to be in the wilderness. You know, how, you know how far it was from Egypt to the promised land? 11 miles. They were destined to be there for one year. And how long did it take them? 40 how long has it taken us to fulfill what God has called us to? Amen. Each one of us. So we, might, we have to remain consistent in the plan that God has. If giving up is an option, then we must question if our heart has ever really been in it. If, if, if we've heard saying, if divorce is an option, then you really got to question if you ever really loved your wife or your husband. If it's an option, so we we got to be in the same boat. That if it's an option for us to give up in God, there was our heart ever really there? Was our heart with Him, or was our heart in it for us? What could I benefit from it? Guilty as charged. I'll throw both hands up. I don't mind being transparent. I'm not going to stand before you as if I'm perfect. But the reality is, is that my plan is God's plan. I don't have a plan no more. My plan is whatever his plan is. My plan is to go whatever direction that he wants to go. Uh, my plan is for my finances to be surrendered to him. My plan is for my marriage to be surrendered to him. My plan is for my kids' lives to be surrendered to them. My plan is for whatever God wants. Nehemiah chapter 4, verses 12, 14 through 20. So we had seen that the enemy had made plans. So watch this. Then as I looked over the situation, so what did he do? He stu he, Nehemiah stood back and he's like, 
oh, okay, I realize what's going on here. I realize that while we're trying to create construction, while we're trying to rebuild a wall here, the enemy is the one that is causing chaos here. Now watch this. And he said, and I called together the nobles and the rest of the people and said to them, don't be afraid of the enemy. So I'm here to tell you today, don't be afraid of the devil. The Bible, the, Paul said that he is like a roaring lion seeking someone that he may devour. He didn't say that he was a lion because Jesus Christ is the lion of Judah. Why are we going to be scared? Did we not cheat and go to Revelations? And did we not read that, 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 that it was described? That, 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 um, if I could get it out here for just a moment, excuse me. It said that, that the people would look at the devil as the adversary. Is this the one that was causing all this calamity? Is this the one that intimidated me? Is this the one that was causing me to believe lies? Is, is this the one? Is this the accuser of the brethren? And, and, but yet we've been so afraid of him. We fell for his tricks so many times. We got to realize who we are in God. We got to realize what God's word says about us. He said that I am the head and I am not the tail. God's word is a sure word of prophecy. We must prophesy God's word over our life, over our family, over our finances. I am who he says I am. I'm not who anybody else knows me as, who they used to know me as. I'm not who what people see me as. I am the righteousness of God. And it's only a decision that you can make here this morning. So he said, don't be afraid of the enemy. Remember the Lord who is great and glorious and fights for your brothers and your sons, your daughters, your wives and your homes. You see, he, he blanketed everyone. He blanketed everyone. He said, when our enemy heard that we knew of their plans and that God had frustrated them, we all returned to our work on the wall. You see, but what did he do here? Was he brought, he, he shed a light on the situation Devil, I am, I am so aware of what you're trying to do here. I am aware that you're trying to bring discord between me and my brother. I am so aware of what you're doing here. I, 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 I'm not caught off guard by what you're doing. But what happened in Nehemiah was that he had to keep his ears inclined. He had to be able to see the situation. And we can't just view this with our normal eyes. And we're going to get somewhere here in just a few moments if we could. Verse 16, but from then on, only half my men worked while the other half stood guard with spears, shields, bows, and coats of mail. Excuse me. The leaders stationed themselves behind the people of Judea who were building the wall. The laborers carried out all the works with one hand supporting their load and the other hand holding a weapon. While we are about our father's business, are we not prepared to fight him as well? Because we're building a kingdom here. But we know that the devil's going to come against us. We already know that. We already know that because the scripture has told us. And it becomes so real. But the realness here is that I have to, to tell you today the devil's going to come against you. But what are you going to do? 
What are you going to do? It's, e it's easy to say, yeah, I know what I'm supposed to do. It's easy to say, but the reality is, is when it happens, what are you doing then? What are you doing while he's trying to attack you? Are you enduring? Are you persevering? All the builders had their shield, their swords, belted to their side. And the trumpeter stayed with me to sound the alarm. Then I explained to the nobles and the officials and all the people, the work is very spread out and we are widely separated from each other along the wall. When you hear the blast of the trumpet rush to wherever it sounded, then our God, <laughs> y'all reading this, then our God will fight for us. All we have to do is be there, right? All we got to do is show up because he's already there. Have we showed up? Have, have, have we showed up? Have we showed up when God sounded the alarm? Have we showed up when God's called us to do something that we don't understand? Have we showed up in obedience? God is speaking to someone here today. I know he's speaking to me. To complete what God has ordained will, will require us to take up arms against the enemy. We must put on the full armor of God as Paul spoke to the church of Ephesus. Yeah, we're going here today. Turn with me. Ephesians chapter 6 verses 10 through 18. I preached a series on this back when I was just doing YouTube. So I was sitting there in front of my screen with my little, my sure microphone. I had my headphones on. It's kind of where most of all of this started at. And, and I preached a series called Be Strong. And the Lord took me through this series and, and, and I began to understand the armor of God like I had never done before. And maybe next year, maybe we'll re-preach that series as a church. Uh, but for right now, I kind of want to give you a snippet here. So Paul said to the Ephesians, the church, the Ephesus church, the church of Ephesus, the same church that was in one of the seven churches of the book of Revelations. He said in a final word, be strong in the Lord and in his mighty power. First, we know that it's not us. It's, it's not us. We have to be strong in God. He didn't say, well, you just go out there and you just look all pretty while you're standing in that shiny armor. You see, every, every, everybody's armor is not going to fit you. Did David not try to put on King Saul's armor? But it did not fit him. You see, we have our own armor that God has called us to. And we got to figure out our armor for ourselves. But your armor is going to look like this. Follow here with me. He said, put on all of God's armor so that you will be able to stand firm against all of what? The strategies of the devil. This is a military term. This is tactics. That means that they, he is observing you and he knows your weakness. He knows your weakness probably more than you do. And what is that weakness? The same thing that we keep falling for all the time, whether it's anger, whether it's rage, whether it's this or whether it's that. Satan continues to throw that out there. Can you trip over that cordless phone? For we are not fighting against flesh and blood enemies, but against evil rulers and authorities of the unseen world, against mighty powers in this dark world, and against evil spirits 
in heavenly places. It's so easy to get mad at somebody, especially during the Christmas season, that may jump in front of you in line. It may be easy to get mad with somebody that just took that last thing off the shelf that you just spent so much time trying to acquire. It's easy to get mad when, when somebody cusses you out. It's easy to get mad when somebody puts you on blast on Facebook. It's easy to get mad when it doesn't fit, uh, tickle our fancy. But we got to understand that what we wrestle against is not flesh and blood. It, 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 it seems to be, you, you just don't know, Pastor. It's very obvious that this person called me out. It's very obvious that they have something against me. What do we believe? What our eyes can see or what our spirit man knows? See, because one day, one day all of this is going to pass away. Every bit of this is going to pass away. And I don't know about you, but I ain't, I ain't got to worry about being fat no more. I ain't got to worry about being bald-headed no more. I ain't got to worry about having no gray beard in my hair. I, I ain't gotta, I, there's so many things that I don't have to worry with, but you know what I'm having to worry with right now? My flesh. Because I wrestle with it every day. Every single day. I, I, what we should be doing, what we're supposed to do when we get up in the morning... All right, self, here's what you're going to do. Today, you're going to die. Today, you're going to die. Because you know what you are? Is your opposite of what God's called you to be. Your opposite of what God's called you to be. And it takes discipline. It takes discipline to get up there every day. It takes discipline when self wants to step down. It takes discipline when our flesh wants to do things. But our spirit man and say, hey, you know, you man, why don't you hit the delete or the backspace on that post? Because you know you should not be posting that. Why don't you go apologize to that person that you know you offended yesterday? I, I'm guilty. I'm guilty. I don't stand before you as perfect. I stand before you as forgiven. I stand before you that I desire what God desires for my life. And if my desire is what God desires for my life, then I'm going to walk in everything that he speaks to me. It doesn't have to make no sense to me. <laughs> it didn't make no sense for me to start a church. It didn't make no sense for me to go to get a building and spend money and start getting things done. It didn't make no sense when all these chairs are empty. It didn't make no sense. You see, but God didn't call me to, to, the, to the, does it make sense to you, son? Do, do you understand what I'm doing here? Just go do it. Go do it. You know, my dad had a saying. You see, I grew up with sisters. And I became, I became the example for all of my sisters, <laughs> if I could say that. Because I carried a many a whooping. And that's okay, because my daddy would always look at me. I'm not putting daddy on the spot. I'm just saying, because I did the very same thing. I, was, I looked at my kids, you know, and my dad would look at me and say, I'm doing this because I love you. You know what the first thought in my head was? If you really love me, you will not spank me. If you really love me, if you really care for me, you won't do this. You see, but it really wasn't punishment. It was correction. And the Bible says that he said, I chasten those that I love. 
He didn't say, I punish those that I love. I bring correction to those that I love you. So I'm here to tell you today, if God is bringing correction in your life, know this for sure. He loves you. Agape. That word love there, agape. Unconditional. Without measure. And that's the very same love that God has called each one of us to love. If you go back to the beginning of the year, I preached a series called The, the, the Perfect Love. And anyways, I, I'll let you go back and, and listen to that. Um, but it was just it, to me, it was just so good. But let me get back to to verse 13, because I'm, I'm very bad for getting on a tangent. My time's starting to run out here a little bit. He says, so therefore put on every piece of God's armor so that you will be able to resist the, the enemy in the time of evil. In the time of evil, you see, we're not always up on the mountaintop. Sometimes we're in the valley, and it's easy for us to get distracted. But if we're always prepared, because Nehemiah, what? He looked over the situation. He saw what was going on here. So if we keep our eyes peeled to understand that the enemy is always plotting against us. Then after the battle, you will stand. You will still be standing firm. That's a promise. That's a promise. If you do what, you, what God has called you to do, if you walk in obedience, you're going to be standing at the end of the battle. I promise you. I promise you. But see, let me give you an example here. Some of us know some big dudes. I mean, like work out, go to the gym. They're like this. I mean, they, they can't even scratch their back because their muscles, you know, they, they're, they're, uh, they're limited to that. And, and I've known these guys, but you know what? Uh, realistically is is if you continue to punch them and if you continue to hit them well what are they going to do they're going to fall it doesn't matter how big we are you see but we've got to make sure that we're in a stance for defense because defense becomes offense we begin to counter attack follow me here verse 14 We're, we're, we're getting close stand your ground putting on on the belt of truth and the body armor of God's righteousness for shoes put on the peace that comes from the good news so that you will fully be prepared. In addition to all these things, hold up your shield of faith to stop the fiery arrows of the devil. Put on salvation as a helmet and take the sword of the spirit, which is the word of God. Pray in the spirit at all times and on all occasions. Stay alert and be persistent in your prayers for all believers everywhere. We, we've all heard something in reference to the armor of God, but I want to break this down to you real quick, as quick as I could this morning. The armor of God is this, truth. There's only one truth. There's only one truth, the word of God. Jesus is the way, the truth. And the light, John 1 and 1. He said, in the beginning was the Word, the Word was God, and the Word was with God. Verse 14, it said, and the Word became flesh and it dwelled amongst us. There's only one truth. Anything opposite, anything opposite of Jesus Christ as supreme and only is a lie. There's your belt of truth that we need to be wearing. Second thing, the breastplate. This protects our vital organs except our brain. But he gave us a piece for that. This piece of the armor is essential to survive. Because without the vitals being intact, we are subject to sheer defeat. Our heart, our stomach, 
I'm trying to make sure I get these organs right. I think, what is there, five of them? Kidneys or lungs. All these, have they have to be intact. See, because you can survive without what? An arm, right? You ain't going to survive without your heart. You see, you, you see, Jesus even said, he said, it, he said, it'd be better off for you to go to heaven without one arm than to go to hell with both of your arms. You see, you notice, you notice Jesus understood what was important. It was the vitals. And these vitals, these vital parts about us are being covered. They are being covered. Let me continue here before we get too happy again. Shoes of peace. Jesus said, blessed are the peacemakers for they are the children of God. The peace, the peace, what? The peacemakers. He didn't say peacekeepers. Oh, we got to understand the difference between the two. Because a peace, a peacekeeper is this. I'll compromise with you just so we can both be happy. I'll compromise with sin just so we can both be happy. God has called us to make peace and not keep peace. Gideon was instructed to destroy the altar of Baal and the Asherah poles. You go to the book of Judges. The book of Judges, we've all have heard of Gideon. If you ain't heard of Gideon, then we've heard of Gideon's Bibles, then, right? Gideon's army. And this is the same Gideon that we're talking about here, is that, is that this was the time where they were worshiping Baal, that they were worshiping the Asherah poles. These are just fertility gods that they were worshiping. But God spoke. God spoke to Gideon. And he said, he said, tear down these altars. And you know what happened after he tore down these altars and he made an altar to God? His father and his brothers and all the men in town were very highly upset with him. But you know what he called that place? Yahweh Shalom. The Lord is peace. And God brought peace there. And bringing the peace of God's word means that we're going to speak things that people don't like to hear. We're going to say things that they don't like to hear. Because God has called us to make peace and not keep peace. Paul continues in the book of Romans, chapter 10, I believe it is. He said, how beautiful are the feet of those that spread the gospel of Jesus Christ. Number four, the shield of faith. Faith is a covering. We, we, we got to understand that when you begin to look at the word, the, the word faith there, or the word shield in that, in that essential that, that he was talking about here, that this was not just an ordinary shield. Now, this was a shield that covered us from head to toe. It, it was a large something that, that was carried. So, so the, the faith is a covering. It's defense that becomes offense. It is defense that becomes offense. So the purpose of the shield was to be used to protect all the other parts of the armor. Because it covered us from head to toe. What does he say in the book of Romans? He said faith comes by what? Okay, faith comes by hearing and by hearing the word of God. Faith comes by hearing today. Faith continues as you let this word become revealed to you throughout the week. As you sit down and you read your scripture for today, each day, as you sit down to read and to study God's word for that day, 
is this word continuously speaking to you? Or was it just was it just words on a page? I've had people, oh, I've read the Bible all the way through. Did you read it again? No, I already read it. Also, all it was was just a book for you. The, these words are living. Hebrews chapter 4, what does it say? Hebrews chapter 4 verse 12. For the word of God is more powerful and sharper than any two-edged sword. Able to divide soul and spirit. Joint and marrow or marrow or whatever you call it. It, it will bring a division. This, this word will divide your flesh and your spirit. It will, it will put a wedge in between you and it will divide. Am I going to do what God's called me to do or uh, do I not care what God's called me to do? We, we have to make that choice. So the purpose of the shield was to be used to protect other parts of the army is the first line of defense. Watch this. How did God introduce himself to Abraham? We know who Abraham is, right? So before he was Abraham, his name was Abram. Did we not know that Abram was a pagan? Did we not know that he worshipped pagan gods? God called him out from his people and separated him. But why don't we think that that's so... so uh, the just of what God's called us to. He said, come out from amongst the world and be separated. What fellowship does light have with darkness? If you turn the lights on, well, what happens to the darkness? It disappears. So why is there so much darkness in this world? Why aren't we shining our lights in what God has called us to be? Or have we done what? Have we become a peacekeeper instead of a peacemaker? So how did God introduce himself to Abraham? Genesis chapter 15, he said, I am your shield. I am your covering. I am your shield and your exceedingly great reward. You know, he just didn't say reward. He didn't just say great reward. He said exceedingly great reward. What's that mean? I am so much more than what you fathom me to be. I am not just a worship. I'm not just a slow song that I just raise my hands to. Worship is obedience. Because that was what we heard in the book of Genesis. He said that me and the lad are going to go up here and we're going to go worship. Well, what was he going to go do? He was going to go be obedient to what God told him to do. So that's what worship is, is walking out what God has called you to do. Man, he, I'm glad y'all are on the same page with me this morning. I, I'm, I'm getting closer. Bear with me here. The helmet of salvation. Salvation means what? Deliverance. Do we not know what Yeshua means? Salvation. Yeshua. Yeshua. Yeshua Mashiach. Yeshua. It was Jesus' name just in case you don't know. Yeshua means Savior. A helmet of salvation means deliverance. And a helmet is what covers your last vital organ, but also such an important organ. Knowing that you, knowing who you are in Christ is knowing that you have not only been saved from sin, but knowing that you have, you have, that you have dominion over sin. The helmet of salvation will do this to you. Hear me again. Knowing that you are in Christ Jesus to know that you have been saved from sin, but also knowing that you have dominion over sin. You have dominion over sin. Sin is no longer in control. 
Sin is no longer in control. That's what the heaven of salvation would do. We got two more here. Sword of the Spirit, which is the Word of God. It is what boosts our faith, which is our shield. Hebrews 4 and 12, for the Word of God is alive and powerful. And it is sharper than the sharpest two-edged sword, cutting between soul and spirit, between joint and marrow. It exposes what? Our innermost thoughts and desires. This right here, this is a mirror. And this will really tell us what we look like. All we got to do is look in it. How many of us looked in the mirror this morning? Okay, how many of us looked in front of the mirror two times? I did because when I got up this morning, I had a little bit of hair on my head. So by the time I looked in the mirror again, I didn't have no hair on my head. So I changed. Why? Because I didn't like my appearance. I wanted to look different. I wanted to be bald-headed this morning. I wanted to be as, as my Hispanic family or man, my, brother, my son-in-law would say, Pelon, I want to be bald-headed. <laughs> So it exposes our innermost thoughts and our desires. This is what the Word of God will do. It will tell us who we really are. Because it tells us who He's called us to be. And when we begin to reflect on who He's called us to be, and if we ain't looking like this, then we've got to be making some changes in our life. Follow me here one more time. Verse, uh, number 7 here. Praying in the Spirit. Praying in the, praying in the Spirit is allowing the Holy Spirit to speak through us, whether it is moanings, or whether it's just utterance that we don't know. It, I'm just going to be bold. Yeah, it's speaking in tongues. It's praying in our heavenly language. Because why did he say? Uh, okay, yeah, there he is. Number 18, it says pray in the Spirit at all times. He didn't say pray in James. He didn't say pray in Pastor James. He said pray in the Spirit at all times. Let him speak through you. That doesn't mean we have to understand what he's saying because when we allow him to do it, when we allow grace to happen in our life, it takes us beyond who we are to who he's called us to be. Now, I'm not saying, I, 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 I don't want to throw you a bunch of curveballs here this morning, but, I, but here's what I want to do is I want to say this, is a lot of people will leave verse 18 out of the armor of God because he didn't say he didn't say it was finished. He continued here and he said, pray in the spirit and allow him to pray. Allow him to speak through you. So the mindset while construction is underway has to be not the way the world operates, but God's way. Second Corinthians chapter 10. For although we live in the natural realm, we don't wage a military campaign employing human weapons, using manipulation to achieve our aims. Instead, our spiritual weapons are energized, you listen, are energized with divine power to effectively dismantle the defenses behind which people hide. Number five, uh, verse five. We can't demolish every deceptive fantasy that exposes, uh, uh, excuse me, that opposes God. Thank you, Sister Anna. That opposes God and break through every arrogant attitude that is raised up in defiance of the true knowledge of God. We capture like prisoners of war every thought and insist that it bow in obedience to the anointed one. Since we are armed with such dynamic weaponry, we stand ready to punish any trace of rebellion as soon as what? 
as soon as we choose to complete obedience. This is how you tear down the enemy. Is walk in obedience to what? To this word. Our weapons are not fleshly. Our weapons are not made by man. Our weapons are not found in a, a, a five-session book on how to save your marriage. This is not on how to, how to be a pastor. This is not about how to be successful in your business. This is everything that we're going to find is in God's Word. And as long, as long, as long as we do this, what did, he tell, what did, he tell, what did Nehemiah tell them? He said, all you got to do is come. God's already fought for us. God has already fought for you. Philippians chapter 3. This is in my closing right here today. Philippians chapter 3 verses 12 through 16. It said, not that I have already obtained or am already perfect, but I press on. That I may lay hold of that for which Jesus Christ or Christ Jesus has also laid hold for me. Brethren, I do not count myself to have apprehended. But one thing I do, I forget those things which are behind me. And I reach forward to those things which are ahead. I press toward the coal for the prize of the upward call of God in Christ Jesus. Therefore, let us as many are mature. Have this mind. And if anything, if anything you think otherwise, God will, will reveal even this to you. Nevertheless, to the degree that you have already obtained, let us walk in the same rule. Let us be of the same mind. You see, and what happened here, what's happening here is God's called us to more. Have we messed up? Give us some music, baby. God's called us to more. Are we still focused on what's behind us? Are we still focused on the mistakes that we've made? Are we still focused on how many times we fail God? Are we focused on, on how many times we, we've done things opposite of what God has called us to do? You see, but Paul reminds us, he said, he said I've got to forget all those things. Because if I dwell on those things, then that's where I'm going. If we ride down the road looking backwards, well, what's going to happen? It's going to be this chaos. You see, but we got to keep our eyes on Jesus. He, he is the prize. You see, and Paul reminded us that it's an upward call. What does it mean if we've all been to the mountains before? When you climb up a mountain, well, what does it mean? You get tired. You become short of breath. It becomes opposition for you it, it, it becomes hard for you to do but the only way to go forward is to move forward and God's called us each one of us to forward God has called us to more are we satisfied where we are if we're satisfied where we are then we're just continuously building a temple that's never going to be finished Aren't we ready to have this place so that the Spirit of God may dwell?
or we continuously falling for the same tricks? Are we still tripping over the cordless phone? Are we still allowing people to get up under our skin? doesn't mean that we're not human. Look, we're going to be real here. We are human. But God's called us to more. Just to a standard of extraordinary. He's not called us to ordinary. He's not called us to the ways of this world. He's called us to His way. What did He tell What did He say in the book? What did He say in the Bible? He said, come up to my way of thinking. It's a higher standard. It's a higher way of thinking. I begged my wife, and she won't let me do it still, but I still want to put a sign in the bathroom that says, Stop your stinking thinking. What are we doing to move forward? There's a lot of construction that's happening in our life. There's a lot of construction that's taking place right here in this church. There's a lot of construction that's happening in your marriage. There's a lot of construction that's happening in your businesses. What have you turned to, though? What have you turned to? Because if God's not first, then He's what? Second? He's not going to come second to nothing. He says that He shares His glory with no one. What are we doing? What are we doing in the midst of this construction? To understand that our real enemy is the devil. That no matter no matter what may present itself, God, your word is the truth. Your word is absolute. Bow your heads in prayer. Let me pray with you today. Lord, we thank you today. Lord, for so much, Lord, that we can't even begin to fathom, Lord, your goodness, your mercy, your kindness, Lord, your your love, Lord, that is so extravagant. Lord, and as we are reminded, Lord, who we are in you and who that you've called us to be. Are we walking accordingly? Have we looked over the situation? Have we understood that the calamity is only a plot against the enemy? Lord, and you're already fighting our battles. Lord, we just have to show up. We have to show up ready. We have to show up available. Lord, we forget all those times, Lord, today. Lord, right now, we make a conscious decision to forget all those times, Lord, that we've messed up. All those times, Lord, that we've made mistakes. All these times, Lord, that we've sinned against you. Lord, and right now, right now, Lord, we make that conscious decision. Lord, we put forth, Lord, the effort that you've called us into, Lord, to press forward, to go forward into you. Lord, you didn't say move forward in our business. You didn't say move forward in our marriage. Lord, you called us to move forward in you. Lord, you told us to seek ye first the kingdom of heaven. Then all these other things will be added unto us. Lord, if we seek your way of doing things, everything else will line up. Lord, this is your word. This is your word, Lord. Help us today, Lord, to know. Lord, the construction, Lord, is a process and it takes time. But Lord, we got to know that you are with us every step of the way. Lord, that you've never left us nor have you forsaken us. 
I pray today that if someone doesn't know you, if someone hasn't begun the construction, Lord, Lord, that they would come to the knowledge, Lord, of knowing that you are the Christ, the Son of the living God. Lord, and that there's no way to the Father except through you. Lord, we stand before you with a repentful heart. Lord, as we stay reminded, Lord, to repent is the Greek word metania. It means to have a change of heart that's manifested by the way that we live. Repentance is an, is an outward confession because it's manifested by the way that we live. Lord, today, Lord, help us. Lord, that as we part ways, as we'll go down the road, as we'll go back to the north, south, east, and the west, Lord, and that we would take you with us. Lord, and that we would be a light house. Lord, that we would be a safe haven, Lord, for people to come to know you. Lord, help us to extend your kingdom in everything that we say this week. Everything that we do, let us bring glory to your name. Bring us back safely, Lord, next week if you see fit. Lord, as we will move forward, Lord, into the process, Lord, of dedicating this temple to you. We thank you, we praise you, we glorify you, and we honor you in the name of Jesus Christ. You're dismissed. If, if you would still like to give, if you've not given, a tablet is back there on the table. I'm not asking you for money. I'm just saying if the Lord lays on your heart, you just be obedient to what he's telling you not we would love to see you again next week we'd love to do dinner with anybody that would love to sit down and that would love to talk we make ourselves available for you our service is here to serve you thank you have a great day